Hunting is not easy. It never has been. It takes dedication, motivation, a lot of patience, and quality gear. If you manage a food plot, put up stands, or need just one more game camera, we can help at MidwayUSA.com. We opened our doors in 1977 and continue to put customers first by offering super fast, same day shipping. For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. When it comes to hunting boots, how many pairs does one man need? Well, how many seasons are there? Turkey season? Deer season? Duck season? Dove season? Honey, how many pairs of boots does one man need? At least one more pair. For just about everything for hunting, go to MidwayUSA.com. I'm Larry Potterfield with Midway USA. Thanks for your business. Hey, I just got back from lunch. Did you finish that report yet? Uh, well, not exactly. I'm still working on it. I'm not finished just yet. Uh, I got a little sidetracked, but I will get them to you first thing this afternoon. <laughs> it is first thing this afternoon. Well, yeah, I, I understand that, but I mean, I, I am working on it. But I'll have, I'll what do you mean that the report isn't finished yet? I'm, I'm still in the process of working on it. I've just been a little distracted. Just distracted? Our meeting starts in an hour. Have it. You, you no no. What were you doing? Were you listening to another hunting podcast again? I swear, I give the staff in this office the freedom to do whatever they want to do as long as they meet a deadline. That is the first bullet underneath your job description. Pays attention to detail and deadline and deadline. Dude, are you even listening to me right now? Welcome to episode 90 of the White Tail Distraction Podcast. My name's Austin, and joining me in the Rack Shack, Charles Headland. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing fantastic, buddy. How you been doing? I've been good, man. You know, it's a beautiful day in Pennsylvania. Nice and humid, just like Florida. Yeah, well, <laughs> I uh, chose not to live in Florida for a reason, so I may have to move out of Pennsylvania, too, for these, um, these summer months and then come back in the fall. You feeling like going a little bit further north or what? I'm thinking, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe Canada. 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 Um, okay. They I got like big old deer up there, man. They do. They Some do. Some slammers. Saskatchewan. <laughs> the Alberta. <laughs> and, then, and then I can be a resident. I can go hunt caribou, uh, moose. You know, I can do all kinds of stuff. You can pre- pretend like you're on the show alone, but all alone by yourself. I can do whatever I wanted. It's <laughs> probably still a free country up there. <laughs> yeah. Hey. So, unlike below the border. But anyways, <laughs> so, what's new, man? What's been going on in the outdoors? Buddy, you know, we had a nice shoot this past weekend. Yes, we I did. I saw a nice deer. I'm excited. People are putting up, you know, trail cam pictures of velvet deer. I got to get cameras out. I don't know about you, but this weekend's looking pretty good for maybe... Maybe getting a few out there and getting getting in the woods a little bit. Maybe walk a couple new properties I've been excited about. Yeah, I definitely want to get some work done this weekend. I know I'm, I might be free like Sunday, Monday-ish. I got off work, so I got like four cell cams I got to get up. I got at least another four or five just regular cameras I'd like to get up. I got a lot of work to do. Yeah. And I've just been slacking hard, so I, I, I need to prep some trees, too. I want to do that this year, kind of get some trees prepped. I have a couple really cheap lock-on stands that I bought last year from a guy for like five bucks or ten bucks a piece. 
I want to hang them up in a couple spots where I want people to know I'm there. So they kind of back out because it's a small area. Yeah. And I, I kind of want to hang them almost in the tree that it, it looks stupid, but I can get up in there and hunt out of it with my saddle and, and then just use that as my platform to kind of help me out too. Okay. That's an interesting concept. I, I, I like where you're going with it. Yeah. You know, just, it, it uh, was, not, I mean, I did it a couple times last year. I hunted out of lock-ons with my saddle equipment. And then, you know, when I wanted to, I just turned around and sat down on the seat for a little bit. Not for very long because it's still uncomfortable, man. I've never been comfortable in like a, a lock-on stand, especially small ones. I See, that's where I do disagree. I, I do still really enjoy a lock-on. I still have mine for a reason. I know you got rid of yours. Yeah, screw but that thing. I hunted out of that last year, man. You know, we have been saddle hunting, but it just it brings me right back. And I do really appreciate a good lock-on. Yeah, in the right scenario, maybe, but nah, I don't know. I, I don't think I can go back to it. Climber, you might be able to talk me to get back into my climber. Now, that's comfort, my friend. Yeah. but I'm a, I'm a fan <laughs> myself. I just, I'm a little sketched out anymore. Uh, my whole thought process is, too, like, if you have kind of those two set spots where I don't plan on going in there but maybe once a year and hitting it, and it's somewhere where you got to get in super quiet and, you know, get up a tree and get into a stand, like, right now. Why not have a stand there and then be able to hunt out of it as a platform? You know what I mean? So I'm right there with you, buddy. Instead of fumbling, potentially fumbling with something or making a mistake, I think that would be easiest just to climb up and step up into a stand that you already have prepped. And you know your lanes are good. You know, you don't have to guess with how high. Because I do a lot of blind hanging hunts in the mornings. Yeah. (laughs) Daylight comes, you just don't know what you got until you're there. That's where I'm at, buddy. And it's been magical a few times. It's been uh, a little underwhelming, several. Yeah. But, you know, that's that's kind of my, my forte, bud. Yeah, it's kind of my thing now, too. Yeah, I love it. So, dude, that's it, the plan. We're, we're talking whitetails right now. Yeah. And, you know, it, It's got me pretty excited. We're out of turkey season. We're getting into whitetails again. We got pretty good guests for whitetails tonight. What do you think? We sure do. I mean, boy, oh boy, do we ever. We have... Kirk Geyer from the Working Class Bow Hunter on tonight. What, dude? Are you kidding me? No, nah, like, that's 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 a bucket list guy for us, man. It really is. One more thing before we get him on, we do got to talk about our partners. We do, man. Number one, right off the bat, Scree Gear. Scree Gear. ScreeGear.com. ScreeGear.com, man. They got some unbelievable sales going on right now. If you guys want to get something on the cheap, cheap, just to get yourself started, they got sixty percent off on. You know, pattern that they're just kind of phasing out a little bit. They have their new patterns, the Summit and the Solus. Go check those out as well. But if you want to just dip your toes in the water for a little bit of scree gear, hook yourself up. Yeah. I really like also that they send pretty awesome emails. You know how you're in like the email subscriptions for most people? And the emails are just like naggy and annoying. They send good. They they sometimes send like articles, you know, hunting articles. They sent an article today, man. Yeah, I saw that. Locke Willer was the... The cover art of the email that they sent out today, right. the newsletter. So they, they do have a, a really good thing going. Go check them out, screwgear.com. Use our code WDP20 for 20% off your first purchase. Boom. Next, Veteran Innovative Products. Man, VIP. <laughs> the Combat Vet and the Veteran, man. They're just, they're, I, I always go back to it. They're just unbelievable and they're just bad to the bone, man. I, I can't believe. How good the pastors are on them, the blood trails, the destruction, man. Yeah. If you're an American and you like veterans, 
Who doesn't like veterans? Mm. Communists don't, but we're not a communist podcast. Veterans are unbelievable. Go get yourself some. Check out the combat vet. They are freaking ridiculous. Come in 100 grain, 125 grain, and 175 grain. Do not be mistaken. They do come in 175 as well. So if you're trying to build a nice heavy FOC arrow, that's a place to start. If you want to shoot a Tyrannosaurus Rex behind your neighbor's fridge. They're coming out with like 200 and 300s, I think. <laughs> Unreal. <laughs> awesome. For like, uh, you know, your traditional archers, those yeah. heavy ones really work out too. And it's amazing to think that a hybrid of, you know, a fixed and mechanical can work for traditional archery, but it does. Right, it does. I like it, man. Last but not least, I should be picking up my new canoe here in the coming days. Sweet, man. I'm excited for you. So am I. I've not gotten my confirmation email yet, but, you know, my uh, suggested or estimated ship date was today. Sweet. So it should be on its way to... Conneaut. Conneaut Lake. Yeah. 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 Very cool, there. man. I'm excited, guys. If you guys are looking for unreal kayaks, go check out New Canoe. Even if you're just looking to get into kayaks, New Canoe is a great place to start. Unreal boats. Go check them out. They are built to last. They are built to be stable. They are unbreakable, guys. I'm telling you, they are wonderful. Yeah, you can waste a bunch of money and buy a bunch and keep upgrading because you're not comfortable in them. Mm -hmm. Or you can go right off the bat, buy a New Canoe. Have it for the rest of your life and be extremely happy with it. Yeah, right there, man. Yeah, that's about it then. I think that's it, huh, buddy? Yeah, man. Let's get Kurt on the phone. Let's do it. I'm excited. All right, guys. We are back with, as promised, the guest of our podcast thus far, Top Notch, Kurt Geyer, episode 90. I'm freaking stoked. Kurt, what's going on, man? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, well, hey, how come you didn't invite me for episode 100? I- I'm 90. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a bummer, bud. That is a great burn. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I appreciate you guys having me. I had to do that right off the rip, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely, man. dude. You have to set the tone. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was thinking about that today. I'm like, man, episode 90, that's kind of a milestone episode, but it's definitely not 100. We better put Kurt on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Like second place milestone. It's <laughs> a lot of episodes. 90, you guys are cranking them out. Yeah, we're doing okay. Um, you know, we started this thing a long time ago back, just kind of came from the roots of really listening to your podcast and a couple other ones. But I was telling Austin in the intro of this, man, I went back to episode three because you deleted one and two, and I literally just listened to every single one of them. And I didn't listen to anything else except for yours. And it's kind of like watching like an HBO series when there's already five seasons out. You know, it's <laughs> right. so much more enjoyable when you don't have to wait a week between each episode. You can just like binge watch or binge listen. <laughs> so it was actually pretty cool. I think I, I caught up like 200 episodes and, and maybe a couple weeks. Wow. Well, I appreciate (laughs) you doing that. I don't know why the hell you did that, but I appreciate it. Well, let me explain to you, Kurt. I was in um, taxes at the time, working an accounting Mm -hmm. job, working 12-hour days where all I would do is just throw my earphones in and just do taxes all day. So why not listen to hunting podcasts while I have to do some other super wealthy person's taxes? Okay, that's fair. Okay, that's fair. You listen to idiots all the time while doing smart work for other 
wealthy, smarter people than who you're listening to. <laughs> exactly. So it's probably just a feel-good thing, like a self-help thing a little bit, I bet. Yeah, I had to bring myself back to earth a little bit and remember, you know, <laughs> this isn't me. But you Realize how guys. bad you could have it if you were us. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, something right. to aspire for. That makes perfect for. sense now. <laughs> but that was it, man. That's where it all started, where it all began for us. And it basically just bred from two guys that met each other through hunting, um, through mutual friends and then became hunting buddies and we both enjoyed podcasts. So why not start a podcast, right? Talk about hunting. That's great, man. I think everybody should be thinking about it. Try it. Why not? And if it doesn't go anywhere, then it doesn't go anywhere. You're doing it for fun. Yeah, yeah. totally, yeah. man. Totally. I got to throw in a little bit of a brag just real quick. I want to, I want to touch on this. I have heard episode one and two. I just son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I don't think I actually, I didn't actually delete those episodes. I think I just unclick them from going to certain places. So okay. if you check certain destinations where they're published, you'll find them. Now I got to um, go back and find them. Yeah, there's somewhere I couldn't tell you. I should, I, I'll put them. I mean, I don't have anything. I'm not embarrassed by them because they were our first couple, you know, but oh, yeah. the, uh, we we didn't know how to record then. So those first like four episodes are my voice is on the left. Like if you're listening in a truck, my voice is in your left door speaker and Steve's on your right door speaker. <laughs> <laughs> so That's awesome. it's like this weird, you're caught between this legitimate back and forth, which, you know, so it was one of those things I was like, oh, that's annoying. And that that's the main reason why I took them out. Built-in surround sound. I don't know why that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll, I'll get them back up just for you guys. <laughs> yeah, I can't say that I've listened to all the episodes if I don't hear one and two. Although, I do believe there was a time in your podcast where you were going to like repost one of the episodes within the episode. But I don't know if that ever happened. I don't yeah, remember. I, I did do that, and I don't remember which episode it was. Yeah. It might have been like... I think it was one of our milestone episodes, like uh, 300 maybe. Yep, yep. That sounds about right. Somewhere in there, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, we're talking about working class bow hunter. I I don't know if there's anyone out there that's listening to our podcast and found us and you don't know who working class bow hunter is. uh, I demand you to immediately go over and download them, subscribe. I mean, what what the hell are you waiting for? But you guys have, you just posted 456 episodes. You've been doing this for six years. Dude, I want you to get into like the beginning of it all, kind of your intro of, of where it all started, where you started in the outdoors, kind of touch on just go take us all the way back to Babyface Kurt. I saw your prom pictures, by the way. I believe they were. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thank t- you. Take us back to that Babyface Kurt, if you don't mind. Yeah, well, I appreciate the kind words and the plug. Um but yeah, basically, I, I guess in hunting in general, I've always kind of been into hunting. Um, got into hunting when I was young, and then I was just such a such a fan of like hunting shows growing up, like Outdoor Channel. Then I started collecting like Monster Buck videos and Real Tree Road Trips and all the jury stuff, and um, just got real. I mean, you you've been to the studio, you've seen my the, collection. The DVD like, collection is impressive. Yeah, like I'm legitimately a fan of the hunting industry, even though it may not seem like I am sometimes on some episodes because of what we call out and stuff, but that's just because I want to keep people honest as possible. But anyway, um, I've always just been like a hardcore fan of outdoor media. And then in turn, like a lot of people that made me want to film hunts and, and get into the industry as I could. So um, I became a Pope and young measure. I, I was trying to just do anything I could to make hunting more a part of my life because I loved it so much. Um, and I thought that was a way to make hunting more a part of your life is to try and 
be in the industry, if you will. And then, uh, which, which I didn't have like a game plan on like, yeah, I'm going to do this and do this and then become a podcaster. Cause nobody was even thinking about podcasting at the time. Right. Cause this is like, you know, I was 12, 13, 14, like that, you know, that young. And, um, basically my dad and I fooled around with filming and all that. And then I got in and did a couple small, like internet hunting show things. And I was listening actually to a couple podcasts back back then before really anyone even knew what they were. I was listening to Rogan when he st- uh, first started doing it in his house and like way back, way, way, way back. And I was like, man, that'd be cool. That's awesome. That'd be cool to have a hunting podcast. And I looked a bunch up and there was maybe, oh, just a handful at the time. And I was like, man, that'd be kind of cool to start one. And I kind of just sat on the idea for like a year and then – when I actually used Twitter, I said something about maybe thinking about starting a hunting podcast. And Steve was on a comedy podcast at the time. And he was like, Hey, uh, he followed me through some internet other show thing I did. And he's like, Hey, come in and sit in on the comedy podcast and see if you like it. And so I thought it was kind of cool. So I hem hauled around, waited through season. Cause I wasn't going to start one middle deer season. Cause I'm trying to kill a deer. And Steve bothered me about it. He's like, Hey, I'll be your co-host, blah, blah, blah. Um, Little did I know he didn't know anything about podcasting. He was just on one. Um, <laughs> but we ended up getting gear and started recording after season uh, in March is when we launched our first episode of 2015. So in there, it just kind of like piled in and um, kind of just kept going from there. Like we just stayed consistent and it kind of just turned into more and more as we went along. And um, so that's kind of the generic, like rough overview of how, like I got into start a podcast and uh, just it's a ton of fun, so we just kept rocking it. But yeah, I've, I've, I'm actually just a fan of the outdoor industry, um, in in general. You know what I mean? So yeah, we're just fans of podcasts, man. Pretty well, much. It's different, you know. Like now, for a lot of people, like for me back in the day, like watching the Realtree Boys or the Primos Boys or the Juries or whatever, you know, that's still there. But now a lot of kids growing up or just people learning to hunt or getting into it or just people who consume outdoor media podcasts is now a major part of that like media circle that people are consuming. Whereas when we first started podcasting, it was not. And it was I, I found myself constantly explaining to people what a podcast even was when we had one, even even two years in, even oh, three years in, like the last two years, it's just gotten to the point when. Now, when we go to a trade show and we have our booth, it used to be people look up at our backdrop and be like, what the fuck's a podcast? Yeah, yeah. And then I'd be like, you got an iPhone? Pull up that purple app. This is what it is. Oh, shit. I didn't even know I had that. And now, <laughs> the last two years, it's completely different. We went so, to a small local trade show uh, last year, I believe it was, uh, and that's exactly what the reaction was. They'd see our <laughs> banner and they'd be like, what's a podcast? <laughs> Yeah, it's yep. hilarious, man. And I imagine he's even more so in in little towns like in Illinois and Iowa and and some of your local. When you go to like the Iowa Deer Classic, I'm sure there's some really really good down to earth people that still carry flip phones. Oh yeah, hundred percent. You know, it's a lot of the <laughs> the older generation. Like we're still explaining it, but I think now, I mean, honestly, thanks to Joe Rogan, um, yeah, yeah. Now it's more of the norm. People get what it is. But then I found like we just bought a building, built a new studio and all that here in New Windsor, Illinois. And I find myself now re-explaining. What, now the question is not more what is a podcast. It's like, well, what do you do? 
like they don't think like just a podcast can buy a building and you know what I mean? Needs the space. Absolutely. So then I have to like go through and explain everything. So, I mean, it's cool, right? It's a cool thing to have to explain, but um, it's just funny. A lot of people don't understand what goes into it. So, yeah, no, I'm right there with you, man. So speaking of the podcast, man, how do you keep a podcast going for six years? You know, 450 plus episodes keeping content fresh, man. Where's that? Where's it coming from? Honestly, man, I, I think you just have to be passionate about it. Absolutely. And I think you, you have to do it the way you want to do it, you know? Yeah. And then if people like it, then that's cool. That like, that's a bonus, but um, you have to be passionate about whatever you're talking about and you got to just do what you like. Really? Yeah. Um, that's the two. I don't really know how else to break that down because we are passionate about it, but also, you know, a lot of podcasts you listen to now and in the hunting industry are, um, I think guys, you know, tips and tactics is good and it is fun for listeners to listen to. And it's, you know, typically everyone friendly, you know, rated E (laughs) or whatever the hell. (laughs) And, uh, I think that's video games, Uh, (laughs) but I mean, a lot of them go for that and that's great. Like they will probably do better if they can make that entertaining. But in my opinion, this is, you know, this is what I think or how I view it. I think when you do that, then it becomes hard to crank out, you know, 500 episodes and do it for six years because you're so worried about, about being Mr. Educator to where after, 200 episodes of that it what's becomes like taking medicine right yeah what's left to talk about but it also becomes like taking medicine to a listener it's like man how many times are you gonna tell me bed to feed bed to feed bed to feed and <laughs> yeah. like and and there's so many people and I'm, I'm not like really calling anybody out. i'm just speaking generically right. there's so many people in the podcast game or that are trying to be this knowledgeable educating guy or gal or whatever it is, but then don't have the results to back up what they talk about on their show. And that's a tough look because why should anybody listen to you? Yeah. So I'm really glad we don't know shit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's, it's great that people like to do that, but it's a tough gig to to try and stick to if you're falling short on what you're preaching. Yeah. But, but that's also like why a working class bow hunters angle in the podcast game is we, we like to have a damn good time and, talk to people and sometimes we have tips and tactics to bring in but we try to pull it out of our guest as much as possible too and and not only just serve it to you out of the medicine bottle on a spoon over and over again like we try to add some fun conversation around it because i think if you're laughing and learning at the same time it's better and you don't feel like like someone's trying to be the know-it-all or shove certain things down your throat or and you know we like to joke around and cut up and just and kick it. So that also keeps it really fresh for us because it's not this just monotonous, bland podcast every time we get on. Like, and, and you know, surprisingly, a lot of people don't like that. You know, it's offensive, or we say the f word, and uh, da, da, it goes on and on. But fuck them, you know, we have a good time. Absolutely, man. We've had our fair <laughs> share of bad reviews too. It happens. <laughs> you know, those people, that's on them. They, you know, there's plenty of regular radio shows and you know, talk radio, you know, like Rush Limbaugh's a legend, but I mean, he was actually even a little dicey. So that's probably a bad example, but um, <laughs> like any local political radio, you know, that that's probably more them guys flavor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you have a good point there. I, I know personally, I've stopped listening to quite a few of 
the same type podcast that you're mentioning because like you said you can only regurgitate the same shit over and over again and get the same style of guest over and over again before it's just not entertaining and and in today's world yeah. too with the kids and everybody like everyone's attention spans like the same of a gnat right because they've just been getting force-fed yeah. video games and all these different things and i grew up on it same thing you know we're basically the same age we grew up in the video game world and all these other things but outside of that too you know what's kept us grounded is hunting but you can only hear that shit for so long before it just gets old and you it you basically don't even listen to it anymore you play it in the background and it plays but you're not really listening so with yours i find entertainment which keeps me engaged in the conversation so when there is something to be learned i'm actually obtaining the information and and gathering the information and and you're going to learn i mean unless you're steve you're going to learn something from the guests you guys have had over the last six years. I mean, you've had some absolute stud buck killers on your butt. You have the freaking juries on, on speed dial at this point. You know what I mean? Like, that's unreal. <laughs> so why it is, not? It like, is unreal. Yeah. You, you guys learn it, though, and then you go out and you apply what you've learned, and then you have those circumstances and those experiences to talk about. And that's what I think is pretty cool about the whole thing and what podcasts can do for people. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate you saying that, but you know, really, we, we just have a great time with it, man, and we yeah. want to have fun. And if people don't like the way we have fun with our show, you know, that's cool, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> Move it's along. not for everybody. But for a lot of guys that work their asses off and go to work, and I think you, they can find enjoyment, even if you're really not that hardcore of a hunter. Um, I mean, the goal is, you know, if you're in the car with some buddies that don't hunt, and you have our show plan, it's cool if they're kind of like, man, what is this? This is pretty cool, even though I don't hunt. Like that's like to me, one of the biggest compliments because you're bringing val- just general entertainment value with yeah. a niche mixed yep. in it. Yeah, I thought it was cool. You know, one of the biggest things that probably had me not so much nervous, but, you know, I didn't know, am I going to show up and these guys are going to be the same as they are on the podcast or, you know what I mean? Or are they just podcast entertainment and you show up and they're clicky and, dude, it's not like that at all. Like the WCB family... I mean, I was in a, a screaming match with uh, Rachel Bushak, or however you say her name, Biddy Bush. Yeah, Biddy Bush, yeah. <laughs> we were, fun, not seriously, but we were arguing about who was from more northwestern PA, um, and it was absolutely hilarious. Like, I had such a good time cutting it up with all the different people from the WCB crew, and, and you guys were, thankfully, exactly how you were portrayed in the podcast, so... That's, okay, that's good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just a little mad Steve wasn't at the shoot, you know. I heard he wasn't invited, but he had a burial for his turtle or something. Yeah, th- th- he's still trying to hold it up in witness protection on that one. So. Yeah, that's what's going on. That's a shame. But No, I'm glad you got to come out, man, and kind of like mix it up with everybody and see kind of our little community that uh, we bounce around with here, so. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to be honest, but um, dude, the shoot was a blast. By the way, an absolute blast. I I had fun from minute one, setting up the course, helping out, and meeting all the guys. And boy, was it great, man! That that was an absolute blast. The whole shoot was fun, making people. I I blew up an arrow on one of the trees, so I'm one of those people. But uh, it was <laughs> Thanks, really cool, man. man. It honestly, this year for the whole event, it was like a perfect day, like from setup to the shoot, to the after party, everything. It just, it couldn't have went better. And I feel like that got me back on track, like mentally, especially with like the studio. We finished it up like within two weeks after the shoot, like completely. 
it just kind of rerouted me back on like the working class track that I've that we were on before you know I had some changes going on in my life before it kind of derailed for a couple months so um it was like a really good reset button for me so it was just it was an amazing day yeah absolutely everything went ap- i mean from my perspective everything went absolutely amazing we had a great time you know Trev was kind enough to have me stay with him and um kind of hold my hand a little bit there so that, that was also good but um yeah what great dude by the way happening right now? <laughs> You know, I've mentioned this on a podcast before. We live in the firework capital of the United States. And every time around this time of year, dude, it's nonstop with fireworks and firecrackers and dynamite. Like, this has been all freaking day. So try to record a podcast and you got to have the windows open because it's 120 in this this shack that we got going on. And people I thought you guys just lived in the hood or something like that and there's <laughs> yeah. just a drive-by going on. <laughs> not I'm quite not not that far from it but um hey no judgment here i just you know i was just <laughs> hoping for your safety is all right, i couldn't right. couldn't keep focus through that it was literally just firecracker after firecracker or something like that going off but whatever that's awesome <laughs> yeah. all good man yeah. not bothering me a, me a bit <laughs> all right so one of the things i i kind of wanted to know too with the whole podcast and everything i mean like we said you've been doing this forever Dude, I'd like you to talk about some of your podcast mentors, and that could be people that you've met through the podcast that, you know, like Dawson Chandler, um, Ross Bigger. Like guests and stuff or like that. Or guests, yeah. I want, I want to know who's kind of molded you in your hunting style over the last six years. Um, I, there, it's Man, that's a really hard one because there's a ton of people that kind of play into like this cocktail of like my mindset and like from general hunting motivation to like hunting industry good point business motivation kind of all blends in there you know like mm-hmm. at the point we're at i mean yeah of course like everybody that i look up to as a hunter like the ross biggers the austin chandlers um guys like that just straight killers the clint caspers the devin leonard i mean you know it goes on and on the mark juries and the michael waddells the t-bones like all those guys that we've got to know over the years is they're definitely like hunting influence on me, but like business, you know, like Chase Rawlson, some of the top like marketing guys, Joe Humphreys, um, a lot of those guys that are so fun and so cool, but so business smart and successful in the outdoor industry. Like I, I've learned so much from all those guys that I feel like it's just kind of a neat place to be. That I think that's why I love podcasting too. Going back is I get to talk with these guys for the podcast, but they're also my really good friends, you know? Yeah. So, um, it's, there's just, there's a ton of people, man, to add into that, but, and I try to, where I kind of, I didn't like change friends. I've still, I still have lifelong friends, but once we got to know like Ross and Austin and meet some of these guys for the podcast, they were so passionate and so into the same things I was into on the same level that basically the podcast crew and, and, and I talked, I'm like, we just need to surround ourselves with good people and kind of cut out these like people, these unmotivated people in the outdoor world. Not that we're not friends with them anymore, but we just surrounded ourselves with people that were passionate about the same things we were passionate about. And then, I mean, you can't go wrong when you do that. Yeah, that was uh, one of the points that I was going to go back to when we were talking about at the beginning is that quote where you guys talk about all the times, surround yourself with the people that you want to be like. And I think that when, I think of guys like Johnny Utah and Clint Casper and those guys. I mean, those mm-hmm. dudes grind so hard to be where they're at. I mean, getting to talk to 
Johnny Mulligan at the shoot and, you know, just cut it up from, yeah. man, he was, he was down to like, you know, the lowest of all lows in his life. And he just bounced back and, and never stopped fighting, never stopped creating. And he's just an absolute genius when it comes to that kind of stuff too. Yeah, he's one of those business guys that, you know, I've learned a lot from. He's always got something going on, something new going on, another business venture over here that he's trying just to see if he can do it or whatever, you know. he's It's cool when you got good buddies like that that go for it, and then it also helps them come in and knock out a kick-ass podcast too. <laughs> yeah, so we've kicked around the name Clint Casper and, and Devin and some of these other guys, man. I, I want to transition into something that – I thought was really cool a couple years ago when you were on a bear hunt, but man, heading out west as a Midwest guy, I mean, you come from the land of the flat of the flat. I, I now have seen it. You know, the highest elevation I think is 12. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 12 and a half actually. 12 so and a half, yeah, my right. bad. <laughs> that last half step might have been a root. Um, I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but so. It's a rock. Yeah. <laughs> you got to jump up on a rock. You can see the entire, like, 26 mile area around you it's incredible you can see more corn over the corn (laughs) (laughs) corn to the horizon so how'd you do it man how did you first you know well first i guess who got you into western hunting and how did you transition to that from a midwest guy of land of the flat so uh, so that's also like a multi-layer deal. So I grew up with a guy named Jim Burns. Uh, I grew up hunting with a guy named Jim, Jim Burns. He was uh, my dad's age, uh, kind of one of my hunting mentors growing up. And he's he's one of those guys who's been, I mean, to Alaska. He's killed about everything. Caribou, uh, Yukon moose, muleys out west, elk. I mean, you name it, he's done it. And I always hear him talk about it. I'm like, man, that'd be cool. And then, like my, you know, growing up hunting with my dad, we always talked about wanting to do an elk hunt, wanting to do this type of hunt. Like, hey, we should try. We love whitetail so much, we should try do some western thing. Well, it feels so out of reach when you don't have anybody that has, you know, because our buddy Jim, he lived quite a ways away. We saw him a couple weeks a year in in camp. Um, so we didn't really have anybody close by to kind of like walk us through it or kind of basically break the ice on it. Well, I got to know uh, somebody. So another great group of guys we got to meet. They're actually our first guests in our in our brand new studio. They're here this week. Uh, the Buckstorm guys, uh, Jeremy and Travis and Austin. Um, I Jeremy started reaching out to me. It started out legitimately as a listener of our podcast, and he played a big role in getting me out west and my dad out west. Um, we went on an elk hunt. My dad and I were going to do an over the counter uh, Colorado public land elk hunt. And Jeremy's like, well, hey, if you guys want somebody to come with and hang out in camp, I'll come out and, and maybe teach you the ropes from what I know. And so literally the first time I ever met him in person was on the mountain in Colorado. He met us at the trailhead. And so that had a big play in the push to just realize it is super attainable. It's not as far away as you think it is. Um, it's not as expensive as you think it is. And then, of course, getting to know Clint Casper and have him become one of my best friends over the years, you know, that obviously rolls into wanting to do more Western trips when you're with a guy like Clint all the time. Um, but, I mean, really the Buckstorm boys, Clint Casper, and just kind of like a, a smorgasbord of people that play into, like, pushing you out West to go. Like Devin Leonard's now playing a big role in getting me out West more. 
Um, so, but the Buckstorm guys are the first ones that really were like, dude, just come out here. We'll, we'll show you the ropes. So that helps when you got a buddy or a, cr- a crew of guys willing to, you know, let you cut your teeth on the West, um, with them. And you have a mentor and someone to kind of like, you know, hold their, <laughs> hold your hand while you're doing it a little bit. Yeah, man. Totally. So, That's yeah, solid answer, man. And I got to say, Clint Casper, still one of the best guests we've had on our podcast period. <laughs> that guy is so awesome. He loves those yeah. solo hunts, and he's getting so crazy into it, like Brian Barney and going giant freaking mule deer out there. It's just absolutely yeah. wild, yeah. man. He is. I would say he's the most western dude east of the Mississippi. <laughs> Definitely. And, uh, he's almost so, short enough to be a Westie. I know. I was going to say he's in that Westie. Like, you may you can ride the the ride if you're this height. Like, he's in wet, the Westie <laughs> parameter there. But he, uh, I mean, that guy's a maniac. It, he'll be in, I think he's going to be in Utah before I go to Wyoming for my mule deer hunt this fall. And him and Devin are going to meet up with me. I, Devin's going to hunt with me, I think, the entire time. I think Clint's going to try and come out for two, three days. And then I don't, he's either headed home from there, back to Utah, or to Colorado. I can't remember what his plan is. He's always got something going on. So, <laughs> dude, you know what? I, so, was your first Western trip then the antelope hunt that you went on? No, it would have been that elk hunt. Oh, yeah, that's um, right. That I was you talking just about when that. I met the Buckstrom guys. Yeah. And okay. then from there, that was uh, in September. And uh, we actually, that the next episode we do with Buckstorm when they were in studio, we, we kind of recap it a little bit, you know, because that was, that was 2018, September of 2018. We went on that. And a wildfire actually cut our hunt short by three and a half days. We basically got the hell out of there and tried to find elk in another spot. And we basically had to restart from zero again Yeah, and just never got back into them. Like we were into them. Like we, not saying we would have killed one cause you don't know, but we were dialing in and we were feeling good about it. And, uh, we were coming out back to the trailhead head on our first night in. And it was like, I was like, man, it looks like it's going to thunderstorm. And we get out and we're, you know, we can see the sky a little more clear and we're like, Oh shit, that's smoke. Oh. And, it just a wildfire rolled in and all basically we're going to go in pack in and do like three, four days or work our way through to this Northern trailhead. Well, we went in the first night to see like, okay, yes, there is elk in here. We're going to come back in and then start our journey up to the Northern trailhead. And like, we were going to move a truck up there. So we had a vehicle and uh, basically all those Northern trailheads that we were like planning out to maybe get to, were all shut down because of the fire. So it pushed everybody that was north of us all down to the R1 trailhead. So we went from just a couple guys hunting in the area we were in to literally we drove around the mountain. There was, I don't know, 50-something trucks like the following day because everybody else was pushed out of where they were at. Um, so we're like, okay, we're going to leave and go find elk somewhere else. And then we, we never just got back into them after that. So. Damn. But anyway, Unreal, that's man. that was my first Western experience. And then from in that camp, we planned the uh, antelope hunt in Western South Dakota uh, for the following year. And we did that two years in a row. Okay. So the reason I ask is I hear Clint, you know, talk about a lot on your podcast about starting off with like an antelope hunt. And they're a great like entry level Western hunt to kind of get acclimated to western area and stalking animals because you're just going to see a bunch of them you're going to get on a lot of stocks and you're going to get a lot of experience i mean would you agree with that or were or did you you know gain something from that elk hunt that helped you in that antelope hunt as well 
I do agree with that a hundred percent that the antelope is a great, like I'm going to the West, but I also think it was good for me to get that flavor of the West. Like so extreme is like what Colorado can provide. Right. Um, like how steep it is. And you realize like, I've never felt like I had weak ankles until I was in Colorado. And I'm like, damn dude, I'm like a baby fucking giraffe up here on this mountain, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it's I feel like the wake up call of the West right off the rip was really good for me. And I think it'd probably be really good for a lot of people. But there's some people that I also think it could shock them a little bit like, wow, I can't do this, which sucks because you can. You just got to know what to expect the next time you come out. Um, but I think, yeah, if you want to just like for a lot of guys, it's the push of. I'm going to a different state in a different area I'm unfamiliar with, and I'm going to spend the gas money, and I got to pack the food, and I got to buy the tag, and I got to, and what, you know, it just, there's so many reasons not to do it. But I think if you like an antelope hunt, go to Nebraska, go to South Dakota, go, go to Wyoming, go to anywhere where you can get a tag fairly easy over the counter, or basically like you apply and you know you're going to get one, um, and then maybe build a point or two in another state and draw, draw a, uh, another antelope tag there, maybe a little better unit and go and go on public land and chase them around. It's a, it's a blast. And I think they're one of the coolest animals. Yeah. That would be so much fun. We've been talking about it for a couple of years now. Just that would be like our entry level trip to the West is to go chase antelope. I think that'd be a lot of fun, especially with the bow. It's, it's so much fun. Cause you can, you can get into them in like Western Nebraska. That's where Doug, he went, uh, I think one of his first Western hunts, and, and, you know, that's not really West, for a lot of guys, but for the Midwest guys like Illinois and East further East where you guys are, that, that is pretty damn Western for us. Yeah. And it's a, it's Western game that is, you know, right. You're getting out of your comfort zone for sure. And in, in an atmosphere yeah, it's just like different. that. Yeah. Different, but fun. I mean, it's something that still is on our radar. We got to do. If I could just quit chasing whitetail and, and big buck States, then maybe I could do that too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you, man. <laughs> So out of your Western experience, you've gone elk hunting, you've gone antelope hunting, you've gone bear hunting out West, you know, what, what would be like your most favorite hunt out there so far? What are you looking forward to? What do you think's most attainable? Uh, and you know, for the record guys or anybody that's listened, I, I don't not, I don't consider myself to be a Western hunting expert, like by any means. <laughs> no, like, you're, you're, you're still young at it. I'm just, I'm asking cause we're very young at it. Yeah. That's why we're asking you the entry level shit. People like us <laughs> yeah, that have okay. never done it. That went, you know, I I pretty much imagine myself going out there and getting drugged by my feet by a horse or a four wheeler. You know what I mean? Like I'm that guy that <laughs> just shot. I hear it. I hear it. <laughs> so that's uh, why we're say, coming from your perspective. Okay, I, I like. It. I just didn't want someone listening. To go like I'm gonna look this guy up and be like, this motherfucker ain't been out west. <laughs> um, uh, I have, but yeah, I am new, and so yeah, I, I, I get what you're getting at here. I just had to clarify yeah. for people listening. Um, um, I like. So I got two answers to this. I liked the elk hunt one because it was like my dad and I were doing our first Western adventure together and, and we met the Buckstorm guys in person there and like just created lifelong friends, you know, and it was over the counter and it was for an elk hunt fair. I mean, expensive, but fairly inexpensive if you think about it mm -hmm. um, for, for what it was. Um, but I would say that was, that's up there. And then my other one would be my bear hunt. Um, I mean, this year was fun. We didn't kill bears this year, but uh, last year when I went on my bear hunt in Wyoming. Um, and that's just, you, that's an over the counter tag. Um, but you know, to, to hunt over a bait and stuff, we went with an outfit, double diamond outfitters. And, uh, 
I got introduced uh, to Trey and Liv at Double Diamond through Devin and Clint. And we went two years and we're going back next year. And I'm actually going to be staying in their camp for my mule deer hunt this fall. Um, But that bear hunt is insane because you go in on horseback and you're hunting color phase black bears out west. And it's just a cool hunt altogether. Like it's the hunt is cool, but everything around the hunt is just as cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough one to beat right there. Yeah, it's like I didn't kill a bear last this last day. I mean, it was uh, when did we go into uh, end of May, mm-hmm. and I wasn't even bummed a little bit about not killing a bear because you just had so much fun on the horses and in camp, and just the the terrain is just amazing to look at in itself. And you just add everything else into it; it just seems like a bonus after that. Yeah, man, the experience is so good. Are you still freaked out yeah. by horses, or what's going on there? <laughs> i appreciate you checking in on me um you know i the first time i was uh because i had devin's a wild fucker man so he's like cowboying up let's ride you know he's yelling and shit so i think it had everybody all worked up including me and then like they just threw me on a horse and like all right we're going in and i'm like oh shit and it jumps a river and i'm like freaking out um so i think I, i it was just super culture shock for me you know um horses in illinois are i learned those guys call them pasture gnomes nobody <laughs> rides them they just stand around you know and look stupid it's like man let's butcher that thing have some horse meat you know I'm kidding. <laughs> Glue. Um, <laughs> yeah. so uh th- this year i went no i was i was good i really loved the horses i enjoyed them um i even got the thumbs up from my buddy trey and he's like his he's the most cowboy i person i've ever met like legitimate cowboy and uh, he gave me a thumbs up and said, dude, looking good, looking confident. That's what we need. And I, lo- I loved it this year because I, I knew what to expect. I like it. I like it. I'll be honest. So. You throw me right on a horse, I'm probably going to uh, react the exact same way as you did. I mean, who who imagines a horse just jumping over like a creek and or the floating aspect? Like you're you're on it and it's floating, free floating across a creek. Like I don't yeah. know if I could do that. I haven't had that happen yet, uh, thankfully, but I'm not saying that it can't happen on any trip you go on out there, you know? Right. You just never know. Um, but no, it, it's fun. Those horses are such an amazing tool. And you got, uh, what I think the trick was like finding a horse you feel comfortable with because they're all different. And they have some great horses out there. And they knowing them knowing how I am with horses, they got me some real, really good, like, very calm and just relaxed horses that I got. Like I sat there and just like petted one and talked to it like an idiot. Like, Hey, listen, I'm your guy. Don't fuck me up on a mountain. Like <laughs> let's, let's get your footing right. You're feeling good. I'm feeling good. Don't hurt me. Yeah. And you, then you're you, good. You, you know, gotta you grab them up, look them in the eye and just tell them, you know, yeah, I'm the captain now. <laughs> look at me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cameroon. <laughs> you seen that meme? Yeah. <laughs> So stupid, <laughs> but, but horses are awesome, man. They're, uh, we're going to use them for the mule deer hunt and I'm already looking forward to getting back on them. Yeah, no, I can dig it, man. They're pretty, uh, pretty necessary out there when it comes to that backcountry when it's really steep and really crazy like that out in Wyoming. Yeah. If I lived out West, I would have a couple horses. Oh, for Here, sure. I don't have any reason just to pay bills to feed the thing. 
I mean, to be honest, I, I could find a, key, a couple uses for horses around here. I mean, our Amish use theirs, and they get so deep into some of the public land, it's unreal. You know, yeah, my, that's a good point. Yeah, my sister-in-law, she grew up with horses. She's got a ton of them. Um, maybe I'll just borrow one for an entire season and, and use it to just get super deep back. Yeah. Use it as cover scent, too. You do that. <laughs> just, just they tell you to step in the horse shit right so just jump in the horse shit like have it shit on me or something and then walk in the woods <laughs> where am i going with this i don't know all right well there's that a was... learning <laughs> see we can go back you can do like an episodal series on hunting out east with a horse on public land and that'll be your guys's niche it's like you guys are the horse dudes out east yeah fire up the youtube channel let's go yeah let's get it yeah, yeah. <laughs> here's how you get on a horse here's a pack dump on what i put on my horse oh well well i i don't know i know we are a record into like 42 minutes in this episode but kurt i i do have to admit to something we are saddle hunters i don't know if we said that yet and it's you know something that really has to get out so like horses okay. and saddles <laughs> there it is <laughs> There it is. There's our niche. It's one and the same. I love I love that people think that I hate saddle hunting, man, and I don't. I really don't. But we we sarcastically joked about it for like a period of time. Like we just went through like a chunk of episodes where we just bagged on really everybody because it was like uh, this new trend. Like we always joked about like, oh yeah, look at everybody with their ropes and carabiners. But <laughs> but no, like we we do not hate saddle hunters for the record. Like. Chandler's killed some good bucks. He he has the first ever tethered 10 first place coin. Yeah. Yep. So we actually hold that within our crew. Like the tethered guys are awesome. Um, no, I think saddle hunting's badass, but I'm just, I think I'm so stuck in my traditional hang on mobile hunting ways that that's, that's the only reason why I, I don't use one. Yeah. Now, I, w- I was going more I could on use the... one this year. Yeah, well, I I know you have one, so you probably should um, at least give it a try. Like you know, like you said, it's always another weapon in your arsenal that you could use potentially. But I was going more of the angle like saddle hunters are the vegans of hunting, and we've gone forty two minutes without telling you we saddle hunted. So I had to get that out there. <laughs> <That's> pr- uh, <laughs> that is pretty good because now saying that I don't hate saddle hunters, I don't say, I don't hate saddle hunting. That t- that usually is the case. Yes, you guys are like. The, the saddle hunters uh, are the vegans of the hunting community, the the alphabet people of the hunting community, because <laughs> you typically know about it before you even get to introducing who you are. You know what I mean? But, you know, it, it definitely it's a valuable tool. The lighter, the, the better, I think. Yeah. Um, but it's just one of those things I haven't done it enough to make it part of my, like, regimen. Now, I'm not saying that it can't happen. Like, Tethered's got some stuff out now that I'm eyeballing, like, pretty hard, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, some of the sticks they're coming out with. I'm like, I, I usually stick to my light hang-ons, and I like I, the some of the saddle setup sticks and climbing systems get me, you know, that, that perks my interest a lot more than the actual, like, saddle platforms and the saddle. Sure. The actual saddles itself. Yeah, that's the beautiful um, thing about it. It's, it's it's evolved so much that you can take the same stuff and apply it to a, a hang-on stand, you know, and still be lighter and more efficient in your climbing methods. That's what I like about it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I adopted, like, the Ropeman 1 or whatever the hell yeah. it is, or mm-hmm. Ropeman 2. I, I use one of those when I hang hang-ons, and I keep that one. I made my own lineman's rope, and I use that as my lineman when I'm climbing. And then when I get in, it becomes, like, my tree... Uh, tether or 
safety strap once I'm in there. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I'll, I'll hunt out at anything if, if the application calls for it. You know, like if there's a spot where I'm like, shit, I'm going to break out the saddle and mess with that a little more than I will. But some of the shot angles and stuff, honestly, is what turns me off on it because I just know what can go wrong just if things aren't perfect. Yep. Um, and that's just me. You know, I know there's a lot of guys who are like, well, you got to do this, this, and that. Yeah, I get that. That's cool. <laughs> but um, I just, I'll, I'll stick to what works for me. Yeah, man. So, yeah. Then there's practice no hate. with everything. No hate, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to make like sarcastic jokes. The Absolutely. Same way it's worth some it. Some of the saddle hunter guys are going to make jokes about like, Guys lugging in cl- uh, climbers and heavy hang-ons and full-length sticks and all that, you know. It's <laughs> oh yeah, whatever. <laughs> Listen, I gotta be honest. I'm 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 a little sad sometimes when I don't take my climber because I used to nap in that bad boy pretty hard, real hard. <laughs> yeah, it's like the tree lounger, man. <laughs> yeah, man, yeah, man. <laughs> I found one of those one year. I was out rabbit hunting. I'm like, what the hell is that thing? Sure enough, I told my dad about it. Oh yeah, that's the tree lounger. I'm like, yeah. how the hell do you know what that is? First off, <laughs> it's a classic. It's solid, man. It's solid. Yeah. Oh man, good stuff. Uh, we, you know, we got into this stuff and and we do enjoy it. But, um, you know, we really want to get into your season. Last year, you had an amazing year, man. I mean, you were tagged out in October. Uh, it it had to get a little boring there after not chasing bucks in in November for what the first time in a while, I'd imagine. It, yeah, it was the first year I didn't hunt Illinois in November since I started hunting. Man. Um, but. I did hunt Indiana in November a few weekends, but I'll be honest, man, having having my daughter at home and kind of, I did some Western hunts and the podcast, you know, of course, stretches you thin with your family because it's just a consistent thing you have to commit to. Certainly. Um, I really just, I hung out with my family. Um, I kind of took advantage of like, man, the weather's nice. It's like that nice fall weather. Like we can go out, like we can go to the pumpkin patch now <laughs> and do that stuff and i enjoyed it um and i got away a few weekends here to do some hunting in indiana um but no i mean it was good i didn't get i didn't get bored because you know i had my daughter and kept busy there but i know you're saying like i did have the itch i was like yeah i kept getting like the buck fever itch like man i gotta get in there i'm trying because i was still following bucks you know and i'm like man i gotta get in there and uh figure i'm like oh i can't yeah <laughs> yeah it's like turning you know, like, off that switch that you're just it's in it it's an internal thing and you're trying to turn it off and you just can't yeah it's hard to turn it off like november 7th right right <laughs> and you're like and i'm talking you know we're in here recording podcasts and stuff i'm like and not that i'm ungrateful for what i killed i'm definitely super thankful for that but it's just that for uh, however how long in my life when it's that time of year it's like there's that certain vibe in the air and you're just like your brain's going like, I want to get in there and I'm still, you know, I got my cell cams are going off and it smells like sweet and hurry. And I'm like, fuck dude, I just want to go hunting. I don't care. And so Indiana did scratch that itch a little bit and I could have shot an old brute. We, uh, we named whiskey Dick. But he, <laughs> he, he literally was this old brute buck. Every time was broke off right at the beam. Like, literally, he was just main beamed. Son of a bitch. That's killer, dude. That's that buck so that I, just fights every other big buck on the property and runs them all off. He's just an asshole and needs to go. He just looks sad. You know, like, <laughs> He's just droopy. <laughs> he walked through one day. This is no bullshit. He walked through one day, and I'm like, oh, there's whiskey dick. Here he comes. Like, 15 yards. And where he walked, it was like one of those crisp November mornings. Where he walked, because he drug his feet so much, where the leaves were kicked up, you could see his trail. And then for, like, the next two times I hunted that spot over, like, the next two weekends, 
you could still see his trail there from where he kicked <laughs> up leaves. Like that's how lazy Whiskey Dick walked. So I think he was just like an old dog, you know, he's just tired. I should have shot him, man, did him a favor, but I just I couldn't. Yeah. yeah. No, I get it, man. I do. <laughs> he wasn't suffering for the record. Yeah, I think no. he's just old as shit. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's just ancient and probably never amounted to anything and always breaks everything off because he just beats the shit out of everyone else. And we talked to the guy, the guys over there. Um, I was talking to Joe Humphreys about it, and he's like, "Dude, he's the problem. Like, he's the reason yeah. why there's no other deer, you know, using the areas because Whiskey Dick's like a bully. Like, he's pushing these other deer out. So, I, I probably would do the herd good for me to have shot him, especially having two bucks in Illinois. I should have just capped it off with that. But I just, I don't know what it was. I just had to let him live, you know." Yeah, man. I'm right there with you. A call buck. You would have got some shit for shooting a call buck, I think. Maybe. Maybe. From, from but, your boys. Your, your close boys. You know. Well, I'll, I will tell you they were begging me to shoot him. Really? <laughs> they were like, dude, shoot him, man. Like, shoot that thing. Kill and that I could have shot him three times. And the last time I was like, I got whiskey. I, you know, I'm messaging our group chat. Whiskey dick's walking in. And I just couldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> we have a... An, point restriction or antler restriction around here where we live that's three up on one side and this big ass massive six point was doing the same thing just beating up all the other bucks in the area pushing them out and we'd have we had a a giant 12 point on trail camera before the season and a couple really nice bucks like in velvet and as soon as they broke velvet they were all gone it was just that giant six point we couldn't do anything about it you can't kill the guy like here you can't even kill him if you want to kill him I would have gotten Ugh. a youth hunter in there to go take him out in archery season, which is, you know, I don't have anyone youth-wise that can go shoot him in, in archery. No. I would have had to right. hire a hitman. <laughs> <laughs> hitman, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't want to get too far into your season. I want people to go over to your podcast and really listen to it. But one thing that I don't want to let you get away with, I got to hear a really good deer story from you, man. What's your favorite buck story? I'm kind of throwing it on you, but what's your favorite buck story of all time? Um, I like kind of the layout of the buck I shot creepy. Okay. Um, I'm a fan. He was just, a uh, not, he wasn't like an exceptionally large deer by any means, but just like very cool, very unique. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, when I shot him, he's 155 inch eight with a split two and a split three. And he's just like really weird looking. He looked like his, his rack kind of looks sort of melted. Like it's really wavy and just strange. And he's just, not a normal looking deer. Like when you see him, you're like, Whoa, what's up with that guy? Um, he almost, so like the breakdown of it all over the years, I kind of just cut through it. Um, he almost basically ran me over when he would have been a three and a half year old. And I thought something was wrong with him because of the way he walked up to me within like, Oh, I don't know, eight feet. And he's like staring at me. I'm on the ground. He's on the trail and I have my bow and I'm like, all right, that's close enough. And I kind of shoo him off. And this was like center of the rut, you know? So I think I'm like, he's either something's wrong with him, like some sort of disease or he's got some mental issue <laughs> or he's just that ruddy. I couldn't figure it out because he looked weird. His rack was weird looking. He had this weird, like look, his eyes looked like all black, kind of hard to explain. And then his hair, like his whole face was like white out. It was weird. Interesting. And I found, I had a bunch of trail cam pictures of him the following year and he blew up. I mean, for, he, when I say blow up, like he, it wasn't like he went from a 130 to a 180. Like this buck at three and a half was 
Oh, I bet you he would have went maybe a hundred inches, <laughs> but his rack was so distinct in the characteristics he had and like just his main beam shape or the, the, how his tines squiggled off of his main beam. Like you, you it was no doubt it was the same deer, but he went from like a hundred inches to like a 135 inch eight pointer the next year. So put on a minimum of 35 inches I had a bunch of trail cam pictures of him, of him, but never saw him in person. And then I found his shed one side um, during shed season. Well, the next year would have been the year I killed him. I'm getting pictures of him again. I get same characteristics, but he's from like a 135 inch eight pointer to now a, I was calling him a 150 plus eight pointer with a split two and a split three. And uh, I, I thought he could push 160, and I didn't see him. And I have a, a ton of trail cam pictures of him. Cannot figure this deer out. It's just when I'm like, what the hell is he doing? I'm trying to break him down. Where's he living? Where, what's going on? Can't figure him out. I see him on the hoof the first time on Black Friday. <laughs> so that is for people that don't live in Illinois. Our first firearm season has already passed. And everything gets beat to death. So you expect to see a lot less after that first firearm season. So it's always the weekend before and the weekend after Thanksgiving. I'm hunting the morning of Black Friday. I look down, I look up, and out in the field, the creepy standing with like five does. And I saw which way he came from, and then it clicked from there. I'm like, oh, my God, that's the pocket he's living in. I've been overlooking it for for a year and a half. Oh, man. And uh, basically what happened was – so that was Black Friday, the following weekend, um, which would be second firearm season in Illinois. If you have a firearm tag for that county you and you wear blaze orange and follow the firearm rules, you can use a bow now in Illinois. So I went out with my bow, did a hanging hunt. So the, the, people are going to call bullshit on this. I swear I had COVID then. So this would have been mid-December of 2019. Yeah, we know yeah, what you're talking and, about. Yeah, you were super sick on the podcast and stuff too, like <clears throat> super sick for a long time. Yep. So that year I had killed I killed my first buck in Illinois, like November eighth or ninth or something like that, and I was sick. Like I had a cough drop in my mouth and I was like we my lungs were wheezy. And I, I remember the only reason why I remember that is because I remember going, I have a cough drop in my mouth and you know how those smell, like they're oh, yeah. very strong. <laughs> and I'm like, There's no way I'm gonna get get away with this. And I killed a buck and, you know, it worked out and I had the cough and all that. And this is over a month later and I still feel like shit. And I remember I got up, took, um, oh man, I, I can never remember the cold medicine. So it gives you a bunch of energy. It's like cold and flu. Um, well, like anyway, I did that, not day quill. It's um, whatever it is, whatever it is, Crack wires cocaine? you up. <laughs> Yeah, it might have been with cocaine, um, but no, it's it's like a common. It's was it Sudafed? Does that sound right? It kind of like wires you up so you oh, feel probably, good enough yeah. to move around. Yeah, yeah. probably. Um, I did that. Whatever it was, could have been, you know, Colombian Bam Bam, whatever. <laughs> and then I drank like a pot of coffee just to get the energy to go out and do a hanging hunt. Go out do a hanging hunt. I'm expecting to see creepy down in this pocket. See a bunch of does bedded. And then, boom, here pops up creepy, bedded with some does, nudging around some does. And, like, it was, like, December 12th, roughly. And for 
uh, here I can hear the guns yeah, shooting in the background. Yeah, probably um, guns. Could be fireworks. <laughs> Nobody knows. That's and, that's a fun game we play. But go ahead. <laughs> I like guns or fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> Dead or alive. So uh, creepy's with these does, nudging these does, moving away, and I'm like, what the hell? All right, he's gone for whatever reason. Bails on these does, turns around, walks at me a hundred yards with the wind to his back, and I shoot him at twelve yards. Unreal, man. Jeez. And, it was a deer that had just, you know, when I saw him on Black Friday, I didn't mention that I like came to, he came to 30 yards and I drew back and he kind of spotted me and busted off. So I was like, oh, I'll never see him again, you know? Um, but yeah, that's the power of like being mobile. Yeah, man. Moved yeah. in, shot yeah. him at 12 yards. And uh, what was cool about this though, everybody knew about Creepy, like in my circle. We actually, the, the, the previous year, Creepy's trail cam photo was in a cover art of our podcast. And yeah, so I called my wife and I'm like, creepy's dead. And you know, she's, she knew like, Oh, creepy. Like, you know what I mean? She was super familiar with the buck and all that. So the story and the buildup, that was the first time I really had like a significant, uh, like build up to tracking a deer down and like targeting one buck and killing them successfully. Yeah. Um, so that, that's one of my favorite deer stories, um, from, for my hunting. Yeah, the added up history from years and years of uh, following this deer, a couple years of following this deer and watching them get bigger and going from this stupid ass 100-inch creepy looking thing. Well, there you guys said it. Goofy ass looking thing, you know, almost running you over. Like if I show you guys pictures of creepy, like uh, the video where he, I have it on video actually of where he walks up to me um, because I'm like Snapchatting him. Like I was like, this thing ain't going to walk up to me and he walked right up into my face. And when I show you that, and and then I show you the picture of me like with him, you will not even like you'll you'll be like yeah it's the same deer I can tell because of the characteristics, but you'll you'll be like how how is that possible? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll send you guys some screenshots. Yeah, and you can for do sure. With them. Yeah, for sure. That'd be funny. Um, I I was hoping you'd pick that story. I figured you kind of would, uh, because like you said, that's that one buck that you had the history with. That's the buck that. You have the storyline, and then, I mean, and really, he's a super cool buck. Like, the characteristics of his antlers are unlike a lot of things that you'd ever seen before. You know, just with, like, the bends and the, the like, crookedness to him. It is really yeah, cool. Yeah, he's, he's real weird. Like, his, I think it's his left brow is actually, like, if you look at him straight on, his brow sweeps backwards. So when you look at him straight on from, like, ground level, you don't really understand how long the brow is because of like you see it and then it curves back it's hard to explain it's really weird but he's just weird all together man he's you got to just see him in person um but like real white face real white like a mule deer um that, that i was surprised i was like a lot of comments when i posted that picture of him and i have a bunch of recovery videos um and everyone's like Where'd you shoot that thing like do mule deer live close to there like is that a hybrid huh. that's what a lot of people thought which i thought was I never thought of that before, but it is kind of funny, man. If you see it, I think it's one of your profile pictures. If you look at that deer, it really does look like a mule deer from like a glance. You're like, oh man, no, and then you look at it. No, it's a whitetail, especially but, with the split, I, the splits. Yeah, yeah, big time. If if one of you guys have your phone ready, if you go to like our working class bow hunter Instagram and you go to like our reels and you scroll down, it's like one of our first reels. I have the video of like me sitting next to him like during the recovery. And I'm like moving his rack around. You can see his face. That really shows like how white or gray his face is. It's it's very bizarre. But 
I had him aged like tooth aged, like pulled the front bottom teeth and sent him to a lab, and he was five and a half when I shot him. Okay, yeah, I would have, I would have honestly thought that he would be a little bit older than that, but still a great deer. I did too, Jamie. Well, I, I look didn't that know, up, Jamie. Jamie. What? Oh, we don't have a Jamie. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I thought we did. <laughs> that that's what I did. I was unsure about. Um, so I met up with Ross Bigger, and you know Ross got to see and handle the the buck when I recovered him. And I'm like, how old do you think this deer is? He's like five and a half all day. What? And I'm like, I would think that too, but here's a video of him two years ago that would make him three and a half and look at him there. You know, this last season, you know, the shed I have, he would be four and a half. I was like, it could be. I thought he was four and a half from what I knew about him. Um, so I was kind of like, well, yeah, it makes sense that he's five and a half, but he could have been four and a half or nine and a half. Like I really didn't, I wasn't confident. I'm like, man, maybe my story's, are really wrong and this buck's like this way over the hill deer that I, you know i didn't know it, you just you just never know with a wild animal yeah. like that it looks like he has an old oak tree on his head basically <laughs> like how all the branches like bend. honestly man yeah that, that's kind of how it looks yeah, do, you, do you have that video pulled yeah up? yeah i'm watching it right now jamie got it for me um jamie <laughs> he's weird isn't he like he's just different super different Super, super different. Yeah, I see the brow. I never caught attention to the brow because the you know the main beams really catch your attention first mm-hmm, with the way time. they kind of wave and there's like that big lump on the one side and then yeah you get the split on the G two and the three and each tine has like a like that crooked feel to it. It's it's yeah. really neat, man. That's an awesome. Yeah, he's weird. Buck. I mean, for to a lot of guys, he's just an eight pointer with a couple of splits, but no. you know it doesn't. It you know his character doesn't do justice for what he is when you like just type like write it down on paper you know yeah Yeah. man for sure for sure okay so we're we're getting up there on time we don't want to keep you all night so we're gonna go uh through a couple of these um listener questions that actually i just made up by myself today just so you know Um, i like that okay so (laughs) and i sent these to you so you have some preparation um I skimmed over them and didn't actually read them. I'll be perfect. So first and foremost, um, why Ohio is so much better than PA hunting. That's the first one. Um, I don't know the name of the person here, but yeah, they submitted that today. Well, everybody knows Ohio is the number one big buck whitetail state <laughs> in all the land. Um, so that would be why that's the number one. Um, Clinton yep. Casper lives there. That's also why. Um, good point. But really, honestly, we joke around about Ohio being like the best and telling everybody to go to Ohio, but you know, if you can get to Ohio, that's a great option. Definitely better than Illinois and Iowa. If you, if <laughs> Definitely better. I yeah. wouldn't. Re- I wouldn't recommend going to Iowa ever. No. No. Illinois, we have over-the-counter buck tags, but it's not worth it. No. <laughs> no. It, man. So <laughs> we live 20 minutes from the Ohio border, so we could literally just like take full advantage of it at any time, and we yeah. hunted there quite a bit. But I actually have hunted Illinois in the past too. And the first year I went out there was 2012, which was like the first year of the real bad EHD. And I I actually shot a really nice buck out there. I shot probably a 130, 140 class buck. Um, and long story short, I ended up recovering the deer later that evening. Shot him in the morning, right? As the front went through, it rained all night, turned into snow. It was a beautiful morning. He snuck in on me. I got up, shot him 25 yards, hit him high long. Let him lay, bumped him, went out, came back in, found him in the evening. Someone had cut his head off and actually stole the rack with mm-hmm. my deer. So I was pretty bummed. No shit. Yeah, yeah. That that kind of ruined my entire trip for the first time ever in Illinois. And we saw some really nice deer out there. 
There was like a 180, I think, running out. Well, 180 is what the park ranger called them. I didn't actually get to see this deer. But, yeah. um, you know, those guys kind of know what they're talking about a little bit, I think. Um, you know, they live with usually, them. Usually. Yeah. Yeah. Usually. yeah. And that was also the year that two 200-inch deer, close to 200-inch deer were poached off that property. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh I went out on a great year. Um, had a lot of fun. Illinois, dude, I will tell you, Illinois hunting is just the most beautiful scenery in some of those, like... Um, Little runoff bottoms going into the lake that we were hunting just at that time in November is unreal, man. You want to talk about, like like you said, watching the videos and of the scenery of what giant buck land looks like. That's what we were at, and I loved it, dude. But, yeah, I've been out there a couple times and just um, missed out on that buck, got it stolen from me. Then the next time I went out, I... Missed out on another 140. I might have been on my phone. I might have been the <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Window. Yeah, Illinois is great, isn't it? <laughs> so yeah, don't go to Illinois. You're just gonna go and spend a whole lot of money and come back unsuccessful twice if you're if you're me. But I was actually there coming. Off, I was coming off a super high, man. I shot the biggest buck of my life in PA and went to Illinois to try to follow up on it. Might have been playing on my phone, still feeling in the moment, like day two of the trip. 140 chases all good, right past me but that's a great story i mean it can't some of the unfortunate stuff but that's uh yeah. i mean that's just part of it man that's how it goes that's but yeah i mean at least you got out and went after it in illinois you know what i mean yeah absolutely we talk about going back man but i don't know i mean we, we, the area that we went to got so hit like horribly with ehd that i don't know if they fully recovered yet so that's the other problem but so that's why what I'm the whole story and the whole point of this was go to Ohio. That was the whole yeah. point of that. Ohio. <laughs> Ohio. Uh, Ohio. <laughs> OH. Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question two. Since you didn't read these, this makes it actually kind of fun. Um, we wanted to get your perspective on some PA regulation complaints. So mm. um, no hunting on Sundays. Stupid. Yeah. Dumbest thing ever, right? Yeah, it's dumb. I wouldn't. I wouldn't obey that one. <laughs> Check Ted your Newton regs. Said that on our podcast. Ted Newton's like, "That's stupid." Like, I know. I'd be hunting on Sundays. I'm like, "Oh, you, I'm bold. I like it." Okay. Uncle Ted said yeah, that's that. one I can't get behind. Yeah. All right. This is the big one. This is like the grand finale. Austin, do you want me to read it? Or you want to read it? No, I'm gonna let you go for it. Okay. This is um. This is my personal question. I submitted. And this is mm-hmm. why is Clint Casper the sexiest man alive? Um. Why is he the sexiest man alive? Yeah. Probably just because he kills the biggest bucks. <laughs> do you, you know, believe he's the sexiest actual, man alive? Um, I wouldn't say the the sexiest man alive. Maybe in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe the sexiest, most western guy, the east of the Mississippi. <laughs> you know, but that like, brings it down a little bit. It's more of a niche market he's in with that. Um, He's the sexiest, most western guy east of the Mississippi that does solo mule deer hunts for 190s and almost dies on a mountain. Unreal, man. Yeah. Unreal. So in his niche, yes, I would say he's probably the yeah. most attractive man in that category. If I had to uh, give him a, um, a a thumbs up or a thumbs down on being attractive in that case, um, he would get a thumbs up. Oh, that was the weirdest question other niche might not apply. <laughs> so wait, does that mean you have another man in mind that would be the sexiest man alive for you? You know, I, I've actually never broke that down um, kind of like a bucket list hunt. I've never been like, yeah, dude, right here, sexiest man alive. <laughs> For me, I, you know, not really my thing, but the alphabet people, you know, shout yeah. out to you. This is right. your month still. It is still their month. Um, 
Yeah. That's why this like question is, is relevant. A few more hours. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Bless their hearts. You know, um, yeah. for, for me, I don't know. I don't know who I'd pick on that. You know, if I had to like, what are the, what's that men's magazine where they like crown somebody every yeah. year, the sexiest man of the year, sexiest hunter alive. We'll go with that. <sighs> you know, I don't know. I don't know who it would be. That's uh, that's up to your listeners to decide. Okay. All right. Well, listen, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't give out that crown. You know. Okay. I thought it'd be like Jeremy Beck, just because if you didn't say him, he'd probably just smash you. Yeah, he is a Viking. <laughs> that is a giant human being. That does, you know, you say deer like pictures don't do it justice. No, dude, that dude, the, nothing does him justice. He is a giant. Oh, he's a Viking. Like, he would literally smash your skull. Viking. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He really is like his. He's genetic is straight from Viking blood. <laughs> <laughs> good dude to know. Yeah, absolutely. Good dude to know, and a good place to end it, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Kurt Geyer. I'm sorry about that last question, man. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Uh, WorkingClassBowHunter.com. Any podcast app, just type in Working Class Bow Hunter, and we're on there. I appreciate your time, man. Thanks for coming on, brother. Thanks for having me, guys. It was a blast. I like doing this stuff, so I appreciate you reaching out. Absolutely, Kurt. Thanks, man.